Okay, now we'll start. Rocks. Rocks are interesting because in one hand, rocks are a pain. If they're in your shoe, we hate them. If they're in your garden, we collect them and throw them in the corner. Farmers hate them in their fields. We don't like rocks. And yet the truth is we need them too. They're what makes our buildings strong. They keep our roads last longer. We polish them and wear them on our finger and we spend a whole lot of money for those rocks. So we sort of like them both ways. The interesting thing is I think rocks had a special meaning for Peter because of a scripture that Jesus had said to him. When he said, I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not be able to overcome it. I want you to file away those two words, because I, I know had I been Peter, and I think we would all say, that verse probably hung with Peter for his life. That Jesus himself had said that to him, who he is and how God would use him. So I want you to file that away as we look at our passage in 1 Peter today. If you want to turn over with me to 1 Peter 2 and just keep your finger there because we're going to come back to this passage several times. But notice about rocks and about building as we read this passage. Uh, verses 4 through 10 of 1 Peter 2. As you come to him, the living stone... Rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious to him. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone. And the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the capstone. And a stone that causes men to stumble. And a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you are a chosen people a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. See all the rocks there? The building? I want to try and take all those verses and show you a couple main points that stand out and tie all those verses together. I realize in reading them all, it's sort of like a fire hose, and it's like, what did he just say? But he really says some key things there that I want us to grasp. And, and in a sense, it all begins with Jesus. And we know in reading the, the Gospels that not everybody accepted Jesus. People had very different opinions about Jesus. Some threw him away. They didn't want him. They didn't want to listen. They didn't believe in him. And in speaking of Jesus here, Peter uses rocks in two different ways to teach us about Jesus and how people responded to Jesus. The first thing that Jesus says 
uh, that Peter says is that Jesus was a stumbling block. And this is a great picture of what a stumbling block was all about. The roads in Jesus' day were not made of concrete and they weren't made of asphalt. They were rocks laid out. And if you know on your patio we have our pavers out and everything's fine till one sticks up too much. And then you start tripping over it. And you're carrying the food out for the picnic and wham, there you go. Because there was a stumbling block there. Well, that happened all the time in the roads that they walked on. And one rock would stick up too much. And Peter said some people looked at Jesus that way. He's just a nuisance. He's a frustration. Why does he keep saying the kinds of things he's saying? Won't he just shut up? Leave me alone. Sort of that kind of reaction to Jesus. And Peter said the truth is that's how some people treated him. Just as that's how some people may view Christians today. The other thing that Jesus said about, uh, Peter said about Jesus is that he's a cornerstone. And this one, maybe you need a little, we all need a little background today to understand what that means because we don't use cornerstones today. Not, I can't walk, can I? Darn. Um, <clears throat> you see, we have different tools when we build buildings. We think of a cornerstone today as the last thing you put in the, stone, in the building when it's all done and you get the mayor there and everything puts a cornerstone in. That's not how it was in Jesus' day. The cornerstone was the most important stone in the building because you laid it out and you got the angles for the walls, you got the placement of the building, everything was sighted from that cornerstone and the sides of that cornerstone. And so it was the key tool, forget laser levels, forget transients, everything else like that, they didn't have, but they used cornerstones. But now here was the key. A stonemason is trying to make a stone by hand, chisel, hammers, and if it cracks wrong, the sides aren't straight. You don't have the right angles. And so if you use that cornerstone, the whole building would be crooked. The walls wouldn't be straight. It would be a weak building. And so what you did with that cornerstone is you threw it out. Bad cornerstone. Get a different one. And some of what people did to Jesus is they said, we can't listen to him. We can't let him lay out our lives. We can't follow his teachings. He'd give us a bad life. Throw out the cornerstone. And that's how some people responded to Jesus. Peter says, the problem is, each of us is faced with a test when we see Jesus. What do we do with him? And Peter's very upfront, and he says, candidly, a lot of people threw him out as, as a stumbling block that they were, he was just a nuisance, or as a faulty cornerstone that you don't want to listen to and follow. But of course, Peter's going to say, in fact, he was not of the, neither of those. He is the cornerstone for our lives. But you see, what I want you to capture is Jesus is a test. Not for Jesus, but for us. When we evaluate Jesus, and every one of us still has to do that today, 2,000 years later. As we evaluate Jesus and either determine he will be the cornerstone for our lives, or he's a stumbling block that we want to throw away. 
we're the ones being tested, not Jesus. Please capture that thought. It's not that Jesus has to pass our test. Do we pass his test? Do we accept him not as a stumbling block, but as a cornerstone for our lives? That what he says, what he teaches, how he lived, lays out the angles for our lives. Determines where we place our life and how we build. And all of that flows out of Jesus. That's the question we each have to answer when we determine what we do with Jesus. Now, as we've talked about people having an opinion about Jesus back then and today, Peter also wants to point out, well, God also has an opinion about Jesus. And he states that right there. What does God think about Jesus? Well, he says, first of all, he is chosen by God. He is special to God. Jesus has God's full approval. God thinks Jesus is great. And that the work Jesus is doing is right in line. It is correct. It is a life we can and should follow. Not only is Jesus chosen by God, he is precious to God. God loves Jesus. He has God's full approval and endorsement. And in fact, it is God who has chosen and said, Jesus is fit to be the cornerstone for all our lives, for the church. Jesus' angles are straight. His sides are the way they should be. You can line up down them. And the life we build, the church we build, will be what God wants. Because Jesus is of a quality to be the cornerstone for all of us and for our church. What does God say? I, use, I like the contemporary English version here. Oh. This is my own dear son at the transfiguration of Jesus. God speaks from the clouds. This is my own dear son and I am pleased with him. Listen to what he says. I think that's a great summary of what God feels and thinks about Jesus. I like him. He's done a great job. You need to listen to him. You need to let him be the cornerstone of your lives. And so that's the third thing that Peter talks about is we who have said yes, we want Jesus to be the cornerstone of our lives. We're not going to throw him out of our lives as just a nuisance and ignore what he said. In fact, we want to let Jesus position our lives. And his teachings lay out the angles of how we live and make decisions and our priorities and all of that. If we do that, we are given by God a great privilege. Go back to verse 5 of chapter 2. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Notice the honor that comes to us. Peter keeps that analogy of stones and rocks. But he says not only is Jesus the rock, not only is Jesus this stone that is perfect, 
When we become Christians and accept Jesus, God doesn't just do wonderful things through Jesus. He takes us. And we become living stones that God starts using and moving and working to build and create something special. Because we've accepted Jesus as our cornerstone for our lives. And the good thing that comes out of that is God starts taking us then. And working with us, working in the church, working in our individual lives, where we work, where we live, all of that. And he starts using us. And Peter talks about two things that God does or he builds out of all of that. The first thing that God does is he creates us as a temple, a house. Now you might think of a temple in all kinds of ways, but bottom line, what a temple is, was a place where God dwelled and you went there to do business with God. At its basic, that's what a temple was. If you wanted to give God something, you went to the temple. If you wanted to seek God's answers or direction, you went to the temple. Because that's where God was. Well, We have a living God, and it says elsewhere in Scripture, He is so big and so powerful and so spiritual, He is not limited to a physical building. He lives in a temple that's living. He lives in His people. He lives in the church. And the honor is that as we come to Christ and let him guide our lives, God is moving us and using us to create us this new living house of God. His temple today. Where God dwells. Where people can come to find God. Where people can come and give their lives to God. Where they can meet God. And if you think about the reality today, I understand people personally meet God and study the Bible and all of that individually. But in general, where does most spiritual work happen? It tends to happen in churches where Christians gather together and where they sit down and study together and discuss together and help each other and talk to God and worship God and listen for God to speak we are that temple. And what an honor it is that the God of the universe, who could easily beam into every brain individually and never need us, but this God of the universe who is all-powerful says, I want to use you flawed, imperfect people. If you'll just listen to Jesus, I can take you with all your flaws. And I can use you despite your mistakes and through you, I am going to do business with my world. And I'm going to call my world to come and find me through you. And as people come and are sitting in the pews today, I'm going to do spiritual business in their lives because they've come to my house. And I won't send them away without a greeting, without a word, without interacting with them. And that's who we are. And that's what God wants to do here. And, and please remember, Peter is writing this in the context of a culture that has started saying, you Christians are worthless, you Christians don't, aren't needed, you Christians are a bad idea. And Peter is saying, For, don't listen. 
don't listen because that's not what's true. What's true is the cornerstone of Christ is guiding us. And when that's happening, God is using you to be his living temple today. Forget what anybody else says. You're the house of God. And he has chosen you to take up residence here. In you, in me, in us. But Peter's not done there. He goes on to say, there's one other thing God is doing with us as, as we come to Christ and let him be the cornerstone of our lives. And that is we are all priests. Now we've all lived in a world that sees priests as different. They wear collars that look different. They dress different and they're a different breed of Christian. But that comes out of traditions out of the Middle Ages. Please understand what Peter is saying in the inspired New Testament. Everyone who follows Jesus is a priest. Now that's not about whether you marry or not. It's about that we are special to God. For the priests are the ones who are able to come into God's very presence. The priests are ones who have that special relationship with God. The priests are the ones who serve God, but who also do work for God. They're God's agents. And he says, if you follow Jesus, guess what? Welcome to the priesthood. Welcome to that special status of being one of God's people. Knowing God, close to God, and doing work for God. That's the privilege of who we are invited to be. When we accept Christ, we are all priests. And Peter wanted those Christians to know that whatever's going on around us, however people may be putting labels on us, never forget who you are. And there's, do you catch in this that word of encouragement that says, please understand, a lot of people wrote Jesus off, just like people may be writing you off today. A lot of people threw Jesus aside as a stumbling block and didn't want anything to do with Jesus. So if they do that to you, it's okay. What you need to remember is who you are and who God is building you into. And so Peter comes back and says it again. We read verse 5. Let's read 9 and 10. But you, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you'd not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. That's the word of encouragement Peter wants us to hear. Whatever may be going on, however difficult our situation may be, this verse is true if, you are Christ, if we were Christians living in persecuted countries where we face death, God is still doing this. For all time, God has been working in his people, his church, 
to raise them up as his house where people find him and his priests. And that's what he's doing for us. Our challenge is that we don't let Jesus be a stumbling block we trip over. We let Jesus be the cornerstone who builds our lives and builds this church. Let's pray. Father, thank you for Jesus, for who he is, who he was, for his perfection that allows him to be our cornerstone. Help us always line up our lives and this church on the angles he lays out for us. That we might be your temple, your priests. That you would smile when you look at us and you look at Andover Christian Church. In Jesus' name, amen.